Hello and welcome to the Disability Connection. I'm your host, Walter Nunes. Disability Connection is produced by the Disability Law Center, which is the protection and advocacy system for the Commonwealth. We provide legal services in a variety of areas for persons with disabilities. Uh, we can be found on the web at www.dlc-ma.org or 617-725-8455. Um, we're really excited today. We have some wonderful guests who are going to talk to us about the work that they're doing. Um, we're joined by three extremely dedicated women who are going to discuss the Sexual Assault Response Unit, which is part of the Disabled Persons Protection Commission. And I'd like to start by introducing these folks. First, we have Attorney Susan Vickers. Attorney uh, Vickers is the Director of the Sexual Assault Response Unit for the Disabled Persons Protection Commission. To her right is Patricia Quitiri. She's a peer support leader in the same organization. And to her right is Lee Ann Barry, also a peer support leader. So we are so grateful that you guys are here to join us. We want you to feel comfortable and at home and have some fun, okay? So we're gonna just start. This is such an important topic and it's not often that we have three guests. Usually when I do the show, it's one guest, sometimes two, but may, may, usually one. So the show tends to go a little quickly. We're going to start with Susan. We're going to go around. We're going to have a nice open discussion. You can talk about anything. And so why don't we get right to it, OK? okay. So Susan, thank you so much for being with us. Um, and we have a lot to cover, so I want to jump right in. So. Let's just talk generally about what is the Disabled Persons Protection Commission. Um, the Disabled Persons Protection Commission, known as DPPC, is the Commonwealth's um, agency that is responsible for investigating and stopping abuse against persons with disabilities. That's pretty clear. So you guys are working in a brand new part of DPPC yeah. called the Sexual Assault Response Unit. So let's talk a little bit about that. So historically, the DPPC has had a hotline, and they've had an investigative unit, and they've had an oversight unit, and then they've also always had a state police unit assigned uh -huh. to them. And so the focus was on um, getting all persons with disabilities of any type of abuse sort of to safety and ensuring that they're safe on an ongoing basis. So that's sort of been the historic mission. Our unit was created uh, this year because it's become very widely known that persons with disabilities, especially intellectual and developmental disabilities, are assaulted, at, sexually assaulted and abused at seven times the rate of the general population. Wow. And so not only are they abused at a higher rate, they have far less access to services that help them heal and recover. Well, that's quite, uh, quite thought-provoking and quite disconcerting. So DPPC is a state agency, and you're within DPPC. So what are the differences between DPPC and the Sexual Assault Response Unit? Well, DPPC's mandate is governed by a, a law that's very clear about what their authority is. Right. So 
everything they do is based on that statute. So they can't really go beyond that statute in terms of investigating. Mm -hmm. So they investigate cases age 19, 18 to 59. Right. Um, and it has to be abuse by a caretaker or an omission by a caretaker. And just so folks uh, understand, if someone is under 18, there's still a place for them to go. That would be yes. Children's Protective Services. Yes. And if somebody is 60 or older, like me, they would then go to elder services. Exactly. And, and what do you mean by a caretaker? What's that mean? It could be a guardian. It could be someone who's working with them as a personal care attendant. It could be a staff person at group home. Or a hospital. Or a hospital or a doctor or nurse. So anybody who really should be trusted to provide care. Yes. But that's DPPC. You yes. guys are a little different, though. Yes. So let's talk about the differences. So our unit was really created to help sexual assault victims get access to services. And so we are able to work with um, and provide services, including Patty and Leanne's services, um, to anybody who calls who is a sexual assault survivor who identifies that way and who has a disability. And doesn't matter it. how old they are. No, we will make sure every single person who calls our unit gets to the right place. So that's really, really important. And does the alleged abuser have to be a caretaker? No. So many, many cases are, um, don't fit that criteria. And so we, we're able to serve everybody regardless of whether they meet the statutory definition. So you're really opening the doors wider this population yes yes, yes. yeah and we're really yeah. trying to ensure um, that they have access to services um, we don't have to have an investigation find factual credible evidence that meets a certain legal definition of in order to neglect of abuse and neglect in order to help people we just start helping people so we don't wait until all the legal investigation is done. Well, as an attorney myself, it's certainly nice to hear that you don't have to wait till your client crosses a threshold yep. before they can get some assistance. Yep. But when the client does cross that threshold, mm -hmm. when it is abuse or neglect, sexual mm -hmm. abuse at the hands of a caretaker, mm -hmm. it would then go through the normal DPPC process? Yes, nothing has changed about investigation and remediation and ensuring people are safe. So that would mean if it was, I'll use the word screened in, I don't know if it's appropriate, but if necessary it would go to the state police officer assigned to DPPC who may conduct an investigation and may even refer it to a district attorney in a, in a given county of the state? Absolutely, yep. Wow. One of the things you were talking about, Susan, before we uh, all sat down here in our living room, um, was that the particular population of persons with intellectual and developmental disabilities are more at risk than the larger population. Yes. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? Um, first of all, they're seven times higher rate of abuse. And part of the reason is they don't get the same access to sexuality education and healthy relationship education. Uh -huh. And so they often are not prepared for situations that um, are abusive or cross boundaries. Um, and so the lack of sexuality education really um, makes them more vulnerable. 
The other things that make them more vulnerable that um, assailants know and can take advantage of is um, they're often, over years, trained to be acquiescent, to not say no, because they get so much care from other people that those care providers really want them to say yes a lot of the time uh -huh. and not be a problem. Uh -huh. And so... And two, and people that we trust, so when we trust, we will not get to say no. That's anyway, important. And most of the people that who got assessed assault know a person. Who's the assailant. Yeah. So mm -hmm. most of the people with disability know the person, abuse them. That's well, we're and, really go ahead. Sorry. And they get um, persons with intellectual and developmental disabilities also get a great deal of support from other providers, yeah. and so they're just exposed in very private settings to people they may not know very well, who may take advantage. And there's a credibility problem, isn't there? Believing the yeah. person who's being yeah. abused. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. People question their ability to recount situations accurately. Their reports are often discounted. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, seven times more likely, but when we were talking in the green room, you said something about if you're in a room full of people, could you repeat yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, what we tell people when we go out and talk to um, groups of folks is if you're in a room full of persons with intellectual and developmental disabilities, you should assume probably about half the room has experienced some sort of sexual violation of some kind. I got nothing to say. I mean, that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. So um, are you, in addition to the great work that you're doing, and we're going to hear more from you two about exactly what you're doing, how are you getting the word out about uh, the Sexual Assault Response Unit, the work that you're trying to do. Of course, this, this program is helping, yes? Yes. yes. So yep. how, how else do you do it? So we're doing it a wide, um, in a, we're going out and speaking to a wide variety of audiences. Uh, Leanne um, goes out and speaks at um, ARC oh, day good. programs in the southeast portion of the state on a regular basis. Um, ARC of Bristol County? Not yet. No? Not yet. I know the folks down there, that's yeah. why I brought it up. Um, and Patty does a lot of training of professionals, like civil legal aid attorneys and rape crisis centers. Um, Leanne and Patty have trained all the rape crisis centers in the state to be receptive to persons wow. with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And they're how to work with people with disability. Well, I I'm impressed. I, I want to tell the audience that uh, when um, uh, person I work with said, who are we going to get for a guest? And I said, you know, I was at this meeting and I saw Patty and Susan Vickers and I think they'd be gangbusters. And I think I was right. And we're really glad that you're here. Thank you. Um, so I'd like to, if it's all right, Susan, I'd like to include Patty and then Leanne a little bit more directly in this conversation. Um, so you're both peer support leaders? Yes. Great. So, um, and Susan, feel free to jump in and okay. keep me on track if I say something clumsy, which I'm known to do. Um, but I am going to ask you some, a little bit heavy questions, okay? Okay. So, you're a victim of sexual assault. Yes. So, before that happened, what was your life like? Well, before that, I, I went to school, 
went to take on the bus and train. Um, I'm going out eating in Pennant, um, living at home with my parents, and they, I did like more normal things like everybody else. Sure. Dating and things like that. And you were independent and lived yeah. life to the fullest. Yes. So uh, you were living in the community with your folks. Yes. Did you have a job? Oh, yes. I had a wonderful job, full-time job at St. Elizabeth's working at the mill And then eight years, you know. And you enjoyed your job. Oh, yes. And you brought a money. little paycheck, too, right? <laughs> yes. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> Doesn't hurt. And you, you commuted on the T? Yes. Yeah. So I don't want to talk about the actual incident, but how did your life change after the assault? Well, it changed a lot because I had to go to the hospital and the hospital gave me pills, things like that. Then um, things like that, they wasn't good. It was five months. It wasn't really five good. months in the hospital. Yeah. Because you know, some people had the feelings that suicide or attempt suicide um, has to do something. But I didn't have any support, so we had no DBC. But DBC came out in 1987, and I got views in 1985. Wow. So after that five months of hospitalization, did you go back to your normal life right away? No, I went to, from the hospital to the group home. Okay. Plus, don't forget, my mother was dying at the same time, so I that. have to go to the group home, lost, lost my independence, no trains, no buses, no going out a date. If we had to go out a date, we had to go to the motel. We really want to do that. Um, so I lost my job and couldn't do full-time job anymore. And so I had to go to workshops and things like that. Patty, for people watching, do you think you could describe some of the symptoms you had that caused you to go to the hospital? Uh, the symptoms, well, at that, that time, they, we didn't call trauma. That time they, they call it psychotic. So I had voices, I had um, seeing things, and then, then I attempted suicide. I'm so sorry. But thank God um, my mother was there, got me that therapy, and then we just have the court system take over. Well, I just have one more question. I just want to give us all a time check. Yeah. I promised you that I would. We have about 10 minutes left, which sounds like a long time, but we've already done 20 minutes, so time goes quick, huh? So I do, I guess I have two questions. So how long did it take for you to get back on your feet and be the strong woman that you are today? Well, I moved my own apartment in 1993, got a group home, and did everything I wanted with no staff, no nothing. Didn't have to have staff. Um, probably I did have staff, but I fired them. They <laughs> um, you fired them? Yes. Good for you. Um, because they were treating me like protective. You can't yeah. go out. You can't do this. You can't do that. I understand. You're gone. So 
Uh, I want to hear from Leanne. I certainly do. But I know, what do you want to tell folks out there in the audience who may have had experiences similar to yours? An experience, you can't overcome your trauma. And we, that's why we believe your story and we believe them. And plus, that's why we're doing our peer support leader, because we want to help you. We've been there and we've done that. Congratulations. Thank so, you. Leanne, may I ask you a few questions? Yes. Great. So, you're a peer support leader. What does that mean? What do you do? I'm a peer support leader. I help people who have disabilities who've been sexually assaulted. I help them heal. And how do you do that? I share positive quotes. My favorite quote is, start believing. I love to talk about self-care activities. I've created a self-care bingo game. A self-care bingo game? Yes. Could you tell me a little bit about that? It's helped people with, who have disabilities to come up with new ideas how to take care of them after the trauma or whenever. And so do you meet with like groups of survivors and things I, um, like that? I go to the arcs right now. And then we're, we're looking into new programs. Great, great. Um, so you said start by believing, huh? You wouldn't have a t-shirt or something you could hold up for the folks at home to see. This is a national campaign. You got that? Yep. Now we got a close-up on this, right? Oh, it looks great. So, so what is Start By, Leanne, tell us a little bit about Start By Believing. Our, what is it? Our team is starting to, joining the Start Believing campaign. It's all over the world to help end sexual assault the third Wednesday of every April. Wow. And all over the world, huh? Yes. I'm, I'm going to be take the lead. You can put those down off the camera. I wouldn't mind if you gave me one, though, because I'd like to start. I'd like to start believing. I don't know if it might be too small for me. So uh, we're doing okay here. So, Leanne, I just want to dig a little bit deeper. You go to uh, the, what is the Ark exactly? People may not know that. The Ark, the Ark helps people with disabilities to find jobs and help them find houses. Is it like a is it like a clubhouse? It's a or day program. A day program. So do you, do you go to the day program and meet with folks? Yes. Um, so if, if a person, how are people identified? Do people call you when they need help or somebody who have a woman is sim, you know, similar to you guys, this, this event happens in their life, what should they be doing? How should they get the help? They can call Patty or I and we can go out and support them. Uh-huh. And uh, I think, uh, David, we have the... Uh, the information for DPPC that we can maybe put up on the screen if that's, uh, well, there we go. Yes, we have it right there. And Walter, I just want to emphasize that we have, we have peer support and we also have what we call navigation services, but basically if someone wants legal aid or therapy or medical care um, or are having employment problems as a result of the sexual assault, any any problems that arise after the sexual assault, like in Patty's case, we would have helped her negotiate accommodations at work so she could go back to work, um, get her uh, transportation that's safe and felt secure so she could get to work. So our unit is also um, responsible for sort of connecting people to those services so that their lives don't have to fall apart. Um, after the assault. I, I wanted to, I didn't mean to cut you off in any way, I wanted to let folks know this is a live show, at least if you're watching it today, 
And the number to call in if you would like to speak to any of these wonderful women is 617-708-3290. When you're talking about the navigation mm -hmm. supports, is that the phrase you yeah. used? Um, does that have to be like right on the heels of the assault? In other words, let's say if a person had had this event that happened five years ago yep. or ten years ago, would you still work with those folks? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. We're oh, getting yeah. a lot of calls like that. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And so, Pat, I want to bring you guys back into this. Leah, I felt like I gave you the short shrift here. How would you work with a person who is, you know, you're trying to get them to come to grips with this? I would help them do self-care activities, and I also had my first survivor, and I made our friendship bracelet, so I'd like to do activities with them. And does that, that work for people? Yes. <coughs> Patty, how about what, do you have any experience you'd like to share without well, violating I, any confidences? I help a lot of people, because um, I do it outside of my job, too. So I, I help learn disabilities, because they don't have to service. So I help them to support them and make sure they're safe. Always make sure they are safe. If they're in a safe place, then I will be there for them and they can call me anytime. <coughs> Most of the time I do get calls at home because I'm doing it outside. You give out your home phone number? We're not going to ask you for it no, here. No, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I do it when, when I go home after my peer support. I'm one, another peer support from other outside because I really, I'm advocating a lot of people all my life anyway. So, so let me ask you this, because we do have a little bit more time and we want to use it wisely. And I think this, I, I, I'm asking this question because I think it, I've noticed it, it helps me in my life. When you help other people does it help your own recovery, too? Yes. Yeah, how, how so? It makes me not feel alone, and it makes them not to feel alone. Uh -huh. Makes you feel empowered or strong? Yes. How about you, Patty? It makes me empowered, one thing. I could help everybody who needs the help that needs it. And I talk to DDS, I talk to people, I talk to a lot of people that can help people with disability. And we may empower, inspire, to believe them. And I do my pocket quotes every day. Well, I can honestly say you are very inspiring women. Thank I mean you. that. Thank you. I mean that sincerely. It's not easy to do what you're doing, but you seem to be doing it very, very well. And you're doing a lot of good in the world. And that's Thank a you. good thing. Finally, our speech is said I'm at my dream job. Uh, this is where I'm wanting to be doing. Well, we're coming down the home stretch, if I'm not mistaken. So, is there something any one of you want to just leave with the audience before we say goodbye today? If well, go ahead. Oh, right. Sorry. If you're sexually assaulted, speak up and keep going. Do not let people make decisions for you. Uh -huh. Speak up and keep going, and don't let people make decisions for you. Yes. Boy, that could apply to just about everybody, <laughs> yeah. couldn't it? Yeah. Yes. How about you, Patty? I always tell them to speak up. If you're afraid, I always make sure I'm there for them and then I tell, I'll make the move to let's make the report to DPC. 
I mean, sometimes it's hard, I didn't mean to talk through you, but sometimes it's hard to get people to, to make the report, to start the process. Yeah, because nobody doesn't, well, I always say to people, it's not their fault. That's right. It's not their fault, so you can do this with, the, with support. So. so your message is, it's not their fault. No. And it isn't. Yeah. Susan, Yolanda, bring it home for us. Yeah. I, I, I think the most important thing that people need to know is talk about this. This is not taboo. This, this isn't something that needs to stay in the closet. Every single gathering of persons with disabilities should include discussion about sexual uh, assault. And um, we've got to normalize this conversation so that everybody is comfortable talking about it. Yeah. Um, and if somebody wanted you guys to come to a to speak at an event or a meeting, would you be willing to do that? Yes. yes. Call the Disabled Person Protection line that we had up on the screen, Absolutely. David, one more time. Well, we're at the end of this show. I can't thank you guys enough. You were terrific. You. you were great. Thank you. And you were an inspiration, and I mean that sincerely. Um, this show, in addition to being shown here on BNN, will be available on YouTube, Vimeo, and the Disability Law Center's Facebook page. Uh, it'll also be up as a podcast on iTunes and our website at dlc-ma.org. Thank you so much for watching, and please remain safe.